Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Great to have you with me. Let's get to it. 2023 is the anniversary of something huge, and you see the results of it on your television, but you might not know exactly why the change has occurred. I want to explain that in this episode and tell you something I am concerned about in our society. Remember, sometimes in this podcast, I deal with the cutting-edge news issues like Ukraine and what have you, Uh, and then sometimes I drop a little bit behind the news cycle to talk about trends that are really vital. This is one of those moments. So let me tell you something. Throughout my life, I have, whenever I was near this issue, near a contest over this issue, I have opposed the lottery. Uh, I don't like lotteries. I know some people do. They're exciting to watch. People like getting the lottery tickets, you know, at the convenience store. And then, you know, the state makes money on the taxes and what have you. And it seems to be a good thing. Somebody ends up with a whole lot of money and we follow those stories and what have you. Well, I oppose lotteries largely because I have throughout my adult life been an advocate for the poor doesn't make me left-leaning in my politics. I'm not saying I'm a Marxist, for heaven's sakes. But uh, I believe, uh, again, you know that Christianity informs a lot of what I do, uh, that I care about the poor and I care about justice in our society for the poor. And a lottery is, for the most part, and by the way, this is not my topic for this episode, but I'm just setting it up. A lottery is, for the most part, a tax on the poor. And it's a state-sponsored tax on the poor. It's voluntary tax, but because it's largely uh, people of low income who go and buy lottery tickets, then what happens is these lower-income people pay the bills for a state income, number one, and then for more upper-class people to get college scholarships and the various benefits of the lottery. So what happens is, Johnny, who might be a lower income guy, blue collar guy, I'm not trying to put him down, that's that's noble, but he, you know, aspires to achieve more. The state's sponsoring a lottery. Um, he thinks, hey, this is great. Maybe I can prosper some, break break my family into a new level. He buys a bunch of lottery tickets. He doesn't win anything, of course. The the odds against it are astronomical. The state gets a big chunk of that money because, of course, that's what lotteries are really about, at least state-sponsored lotteries. And then what happens? Well, Jenny, who is an upper-middle-class girl going to college, she gets the scholarship that our lower-income friend paid for. So there's a transfer of money going from the lower classes to the state and the upper classes in a lottery. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's right. And by the way, I don't have some big complaint about gambling in general, as you're going to learn, but it is state-sponsored gambling. Do we want that? Okay, well, let's leave that for another time. My point is not lotteries, but I want to explain to you why I have opposed lotteries in Tennessee and some other places where I have lived or worked or helped. 
because I do think it's a transfer of wealth from the lower classes, so to speak. I don't like to speak of low class. Uh, Lower income is what I prefer to say to the state and to upper classes. So I, re- I routinely look at some of my friends uh, who, who are upper middle class, and what do I find out? Hey, my college, my my daughter's going to college, and she's got the basically it's not called this, but the state lottery scholarship. Now he the the father could easily parents could easily pay for the, the college, but this girl has got a scholarship from the state, and who paid for it? People of lower income. I don't like that. I don't like that. I'm sorry. That may bother you. You may like the lottery, but I don't. Well, this is exactly why I'm addressing what I'm addressing today. I've already addressed this topic in my podcast for men, the Great Man Podcast, but I now want to address it as a massive societal trend, and it has to do with the rise of sports betting in our society. You aren't going to believe what I am about to tell you, but let me give you the background first. Before I tell you what's happening in our society now, let me give you the background first, okay? As sports betting rose in America, in June of 1991, the Senate Judiciary Committee on patents, copyrights, and trademarks, etc., decided to investigate sports betting to see if it was damaging to society. They concluded that it was, okay? In fact, the committee said sports gambling is a national problem. The harms, plural, it inflicts are felt beyond the borders of the states that sanction it. And so what came about as a result of that was an act of Congress called the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, which forbade betting on college and professional sports except for in a very few states, okay? So that was in 1992, the year after that committee that I mentioned sat, okay? So 1992, the U.S. Congress passes the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act, which it's called PASPA in D.C. speak, and it is a law against betting on sports, amateur and professional. Well, the problem was in the intervening years, okay, uh, since 1992, The problem was that the states just couldn't stand that there was money to be made. Big taxes. And people lobbied against this law and got upset about it. And they wanted to allow sports betting because it could be even more profit off of America's craze about sports. And so finally, uh, in 2018... In 2018, the Supreme Court had a case come before it, which came to be known as Murphy v. National Collegiate Athletic Association. That's not a great title for it because it was much broader than that. But nevertheless, what you need to know is that in 2018, May of 2018, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Congress's act, which I've already named, called the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act, which forbade betting on sports. The Supreme Court overturned it, and it did so based on the Tenth Amendment. The Tenth Amendment basically says that any authority the Constitution doesn't give to the federal government 
automatically reverts to the states. In other words, the Constitution defines the authorities of the federal government, and other than that, the states hold all other authority. So, the ban against betting at a federal level was seen to be unconstitutional. The court in 2018 ruled, and five years ago this year, the Supreme Court overturned the federal bans on sports betting. We have gone freaking wild with sports betting ever since, and I'm concerned about it, not because I think that gambling is automatically immoral or should be illegal. Let me make myself clear. Uh, Again, I speak as a Christian in this podcast, and I have said repeatedly, that a bunch of guys sitting around betting tens and twenties on a card game some night at somebody's house, that's I I'm not gonna come along and say, hey, you're being immoral or that should be illegal. Okay. Slot machines in Vegas. Okay. Whatever. You want to have that? You want to have it on barges on the Mississippi and in, in certain states, whatever. Okay. But for a nation to push gambling and sports betting at every level as much as we are doing now is going to be a plague. It's not only going to be the same thing the lottery was, which is why I opposed it, that you then have a tax on the poor, but you are going to deal with absolute impoverishment. And by the way, you're also going to find a rise in organized crime. Uh, You're going to find a great deal of corruption. You can't believe the numbers. You just can't believe the numbers. In the last five years, that since the court in 2018 overturned that federal ban, that congressional ban on sports betting, in the last five years, Americans have legally wagered over $220 billion on sports, generating over $17 billion in revenue for sports books and $3 billion in state and local taxes. That's often why governments participate and encourage it, okay? Listen to this stunning stat. Between May of 2018, which would have been approximately the first year after the court ruled, and April 2019, okay? May of 2018 and April of 2019, Americans bet $8.3 billion on sports. Listen to this. Four years later, between May 2022 and April 2023, they had wagered $90.4 billion. $90.4 billion. It is absolutely stunning. Consider this just for a moment from the state perspective. And I'll come back to the whole issue of the onslaught of what's happening on television and what have you. My son and his wife and my grandchild live in New Jersey. New Jersey's the biggest betting state in the union, $36 billion from June 2018 to April 2023. That's during, again, that's during the five years since the court overturned that congressional federal ban. Second would be Nevada, $31 billion. Third would be New York, $22 billion. Pennsylvania would be $21 billion. Uh, let me just jump way down the list here so I don't bore you. Tennessee would be about 10th. I'm not actually counting it specifically. $8 billion. Okay, much lighter, but still serious. For Tennessee's only got 5 million people. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, Iowa, $5 billion. I mean, I could go on and on and on. It is a plague on our society. 
And what bothers me, of course, it's all legal, and I'm not even saying it should be banned, but, but what bothers me is the onslaught of advertising. I have a light connection to the Manning family. I've done some events with Archie Manning and just an admirer distantly to Peyton and others in the family. But I'm disturbed by how much they're pushing uh, gambling. I know they're making massive money and I'm all for the free market. I want people to prosper and use their gifts and their fame and whatever mojo they've got. It's perfectly fine. But I'm disturbed by the push. I'm particularly disturbed by the push in the African-American community. Gambling has decimated portions of the African-American community. We already know that the African-American community in America is just plagued by fatherlessness. Gambling has a role in that. It has a role in impoverishing people. It's pretty stunning. So I may be confusing you that on the one hand, I'm not able to say as a Christian that uh, any level of gambling of any kind is automatically a sin and immoral. No, I'm not. Bunch of guys, like I say, trading fives and tens in a, in, a, in a poker game on a Monday night in some guy's back porch, fine, whatever, okay? Slot machines, fine, whatever. But I, we're talking now not just about the occasional gambling here and there and, and places that are designated for it and what have you. We're talking about a national government-funded, government-supported push towards Gambling at a sophisticated level. The TV commercials involve some of the most prominent people in arts and entertainment, some of the most prominent sports figures. There's a massive amount of money to be made. We're talking billions and billions, as I've just said. By the way, the three most populous states, California, Texas, and Florida, still don't have legal sports betting markets. So, you know, it's, it's, it, maybe, there, maybe there are wise leaders somewhere in America. But the level of impoverishment, the level of corruption this is going to bring within the sports themselves. And I want you to consider, you know, I love watching sports with my little grandsons. I mean, with my oldest one's only six, for heaven's sakes. But as we continue with this, what, 10 and he's 12 and he's 13 and we're watching the games and we're talking smack and wearing jerseys and all that stuff. What's he going to get? He's going to get hours and hours and hours of commercials in his brain about gambling about sports betting. In fact, there's clearly an effort to make the watching of sports and betting almost synonymous. Like, why are you watching without having money on the game? You could be making money right now. So this is not just me preaching. I'm actually pretty moderate on just the low-level issue of gambling. I, I wouldn't go in and bust up a game and get all ticked off. I mean, just I'm talking about at a, at a dining room table or something. But to have your government pushing it because of the billions in revenue, to have the major sports and media figures in our society pushing it in an absolute onslaught, to have a state like New Jersey have $39 billion in sports gambling. By the way, that's sports alone. That's not at the craps table. Uh, That's not poker games at the casino. That's sports betting alone. It's corrupting. It's impoverishing. It encourages organized crime. I don't want to be disparaging of New Jersey. Again, I have family there. That's why I mentioned that. But it doesn't surprise me that where there's a lot of organized crime, there's also high sports betting. It's going to seep into the locker room. It's going to corrupt athletes. It's a bad trend. It's a damaging trend. It's a societal cancer. And we need to be careful about it. 
Now, did the court do the wrong thing in overthrowing that congressional act? Well, probably a strict construction, a strict interpretation of the Constitution means that the federal government shouldn't have gotten into the gambling issue, I suppose, if you're going to take a narrow a narrow view. At the same time, I have no problem with Congress addressing issues that have to do with national health and morals. I mean, that that is the legitimate role for Congress. So we could, we'll be debating this forever, that the court in 2018 overturned that congressional act based on the 10th Amendment is a touchy, difficult thing. Scholars can argue. We can argue. It doesn't change the fact that the, the gates have opened now, and we are in a society where government and casinos are in business together for the profit and the losers, in my opinion are the American people, and certainly generations yet to come. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.